0: All right, so good morning, familia. We've been going through this set of teachings um, that we have called Upside Down Kingdom that are based on this section of scripture known as Sermon on the Mount that goes all the way from Matthew chapter 5 uh, all the way to Matthew chapter 7. And it's basically Jesus teaching us uh, how to live the Christian life in the midst of a world that has a different worldview. And what Jesus is going to teach us today, in this section of a scripture that we just read, is that our worldview is greatly affected or influenced by the things we treasure. Let me say that again. Our worldview is greatly affected or, uh, or influenced by the things we treasure. So the way I'm going to deal with this text is under three subtitles. We're going to talk about two treasures... Two masters, one solution. Two treasures, two masters, one solution. So let's talk about the first one, two treasures. From verses 19 to 21, Jesus is talking about these two things that we call in two treasures. In verse 19, he talks about something that he calls treasures on earth. And in verse 20, he talks about a different thing that he calls treasures in heaven. And what he's about to explain is that there's a big difference between these two treasures. And he's also going to explain that the outcome of pursuing those two different kinds of treasures look completely different. So let's talk about the first one, what it means to set your treasures or pursue treasures on earth. I want you to notice first that the word that word that Jesus uses there, do not store up is not a suggestion. It's a command. It's an imperative. He commands his church to do not store up for yourself treasures on earth. What is interesting about the phrase do not, do not, is that I think in in English we have a a translation that it doesn't sound so um, offensive But in the original, what Jesus is saying is, stop. Stop storing up for yourself treasures and earth. And what Jesus is talking about, he's saying, stop investing your life, investing your time, investing your energy, investing your resources and treasures and earth. And he actually gives you the reason why. Why? Because eventually, every single one of those things will be destroyed. And I want you to hear me really well. Everything we treasure here eventually will be destroyed. That's true of everything in life. Or can be taken away from you. Nothing you have here is secure enough for you not to lose it. Nothing here is secure enough for you to keep it forever. What is interesting here is that Jesus talks about something very similar in Luke chapter 12. And what he says in Luke chapter 12 is that to have a life in which you invest your life, your time, your energy, and your resources, and earthly things, treasures and earth, is foolishness. And the reason why he says his foolishness, once again, is because eventually everything will disappear or can be taken away from you. So he uses this parable of a rich, young person that has abundant harvest, but somehow wants more. And he builds this large barn to accumulate more. And Jesus says, oh, you fool. Now, let me translate that to modern language, people. Because if you call someone a fool, you say, oh, thank you. But not in the scripture. When when the Bible calls someone a fool, it's almost as calling someone an idiot. Oh, you idiots. Everything you have accumulated, everything you're fighting for, everything that that you're pursuing, you will lose tonight, Jesus says. And then he says this, This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Isn't that crazy? That parable is crazy. Because he tells us that we can accumulate as much as we want. We can pursue as much as we want. And at the end of the day, we do not have the control to keep those things. And what about what I love about Luke chapter twelve is that it, it actually explains the dynamic in our hearts and why is it that we do the things we do. And when you get the chance, I invite you to read that at home. But what you're gonna find out there is that there's something about our heart that always wants more. That whatever we treasure, at the end of the day, we want more. It could be people, it could be things, it could be ideas, it could be a career. But at the end of the day, it's never enough because your heart begs for more. In other words, anything you worship outside of God would always demand more and you will never be satisfied. Listen to the words of David Foster Wallace. If you worship money and things... If they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you will never have enough. Never feel you have enough. Worship your own body and beauty and sexual allure, and you will always feel ugly. And when time and age starts showing, you will die a million deaths before you finally plant you. finally plant you. Worship power, you will feel weak and afraid. And you will need even more power over others to keep the fear at bay. Worship the intellect, being seen as smart. You will end up feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the verge of being found out. That's the foolishness of storing up treasures on earth. It's just never enough, people. It's just never enough. Now, if you pay attention to that parable, it's really interesting because there's a part there in the narrative in which this guy, this young person that has a lot already, he's talking to himself. The text says that he talked to himself. And every time you find something like that in the Bible, it's pointing to the reality of something that we all do. It's when you're trying to convince yourself of something. It's when you're arguing with yourself so you convince yourself of something. I don't know if you ever experienced this, but there's, there's, there are things that we do, there are things that we embrace, there are things that we pursue, and you know that it's sent off, but something inside of you tells you, man, you could do better. You need more. There's gotta be more. You must pursue more. Even though you know that nothing lasts forever, and even though you know that it's never enough. And we try so hard to convince ourselves of whatever. So let me give you an example, all right? Uh, And let's see if it applies to you. It applied to me, that's why I'm using it. I think that as a society, one of the things that we worship the most is health and our body. Now, if you're in great shape, I'm not talking to you. Yes, I am. And if you are not in great shape, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, I think that you struggle with the same thing. So we are part of this culture that is, that are obsessed with our bodies, obsessed with health. That's why there are more gyms now than churches. That's why we love those healthy snacks. That's why God forbid you eat something after 6 p.m. That's why I think that God forbids that you eat a hamburger every now and then. Because that's from the devil. You know, it's interesting. I don't find any text in the Bible that, that God is going to hold you accountable for the amount of junk food you, you, you ate. The irony, though... Is that it doesn't matter how much you take care of yourself, people. Eventually, your body will start the process of destruction. So, if you are young here today, just wait. Wait until age 30, 32, to 35. Your body will start to change. So this was so true for me. I played soccer most of my life. And I was really good, people. Like, really good. Um, And for some reason, like around age, I stopped playing soccer. I think I got injured. I can't remember. But I stopped playing soccer. And I started to play soccer again at age 33. Jesus' age. I'm starting to think that Jesus went to heaven at age 33 for a reason. (laughs) Let me go back over here. And the thing about those three years without me playing is that my mind played tricks with me, you know? Like my mind tells me that I could do this and I could run fast. And my mind tells me that I'm super fast and I could take anybody and I could jump really high. But my body says something completely different. My body, my mind says, You could do it, Hannibal. My body says, Dude, you are old. My mind says, you could take it, but my body says, stop, please stop. And I think that we all do the same thing with different things. I think that we we do the same thing with the things we buy. I think that we do the same thing with the house you bought, with the car you have, with the clothes you have. With anything you invest time and life and energy, we do the same thing. We think that we could keep those things forever. We think that no one can take that from you. And Jesus says that's foolishness. Stop wasting your life, your time, your energy, your resources and things that don't matter. I want you to hear me really well here. Jesus is not against you having or accomplishing things. Jesus is not against that. He is against things having you. That's the difference. You can have as many things as you want. You can pursue as many things as you want. But if those things you're pursuing have you, then you have an issue. Because you are collecting things and you treasure things that eventually will be destroyed... And can be taken away from you in a blink of an eye. That didn't work. Is that what you treasure? Paul Tripp calls these functional treasures. And he says that if you want to know what your functional treasures are, all you have to do is try to answer these questions. And we're going to put them on the screen. The absence of what causes us to want to give up and quit. The pursuit of what leads us to feeling overburdened and overwhelmed. The fear of what makes us tentative and timid rather than courageous and hopeful. The need of what robs your life of its beauty and joy. The desire of what sets up tensions between life and family. Whatever that what is for you, that's your treasure. Whatever that what is for you, that's your treasure. And Jesus says, please stop. Please stop placing your happiness, your security, your pleasure, your identity in things that would eventually will disappear. So the question that we got to ask Jesus today, is there a different way to live? And the answer, of course, is going to be yes. Store up treasures in heaven where nothing can be destroyed and nothing can be taken away from you. That's verse 20. That's the difference. So if you don't know what that means, if you don't know what it means to treasure things in heaven... Pay attention to the word heaven. Because what Jesus is saying here is that we are called to love what God loves. To invest that in things that matter. To pursue the things that God cares about. To give your life to things that give you more than temporal pleasure. And, that, and to give your life to things that matter. See, heaven is a place of no corruption... No fading, no devil, no curse of sin, no pain, no tears, no sickness, no death. If you want to know what it means to treasure, to store up treasures in heaven, invest your, invest your lives in things that look like heaven. That's why we invest our lives in things that are truthful. That's why we always put people before things. That's why we help those that suffer. That's why we give life and defend life. That's why we help and heal others. That's why we invest in things that are eternal. We invest in things that are eternal. And heaven is a place in when we get to experience God more. And we experience his holiness. And we rest in God. And we find satisfaction in God. And we experience communion with God. So to store up treasures in heaven is to do anything here that gives you a taste of heaven. That's part of the reason why you come to church, you know. You get to taste a little bit of heaven. Don't. Waste your life. Don't waste your life. Invest, invest in things that matter. So here's the question. Why would Jesus spend so much time explaining the difference between these two treasures? And I think that the answer has to do with the reality that whatever your treasure... At the end of your life, at the end is going to control your life. I, I, I think that the reason why Jesus is saying what he's saying is because whatever you treasure, you truly treasure, is going to control the rest of your life. Actually, what I'm gonna show you is that it is impossible for you for us to say that we treasure the things of God and to not live according to it. It's impossible. So let's talk about the second thing: two masters. I'm sure that many of you guys watch or read Lord of the Rings. And one of the most uh, famous phrases in that novel is the phrase, my precious. We want it, we need it, we must have our precious. And I think that Jesus is saying something very similar to that. Whatever you want, you truly want, whatever you truly need, that will, be, that will control your life. So if you want to know what controls your life, look at what, what is precious to you. Look at what is a treasure to you, and you will see why is it that you live the way you live. And that's the whole idea behind verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also and in that sentence the order is very important notice that the first word is the word treasure and the second word is the word heart so if you want to know the reality of your heart you must look at the things you treasure because the things your treasure is a reflection of the reality of your heart. And this is when it's gonna get really complicated for all of us. Because it is in that context that Jesus talks about money. So don't worry, we're not gonna ask for money today. But if you really want to know what, you, what your precious is and your treasure is, follow your money. Follow how much you love your money or you love the things that your money gets you. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And that verse is so interesting because Jesus uses the word serve there. And the word serve in the original is the word slave. Slave. So the idea here is that you could only be owned by either God or by money and what money buys. Either you can be devoted to God or you will be devoted to what money and what money gives. Either you will either you will either love God or you will love money and what money gives. You cannot have them both, he says, either because you will love one and you will hate the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot see God as the ultimate source of security, happiness, pleasure, and satisfaction, while at the same time you think that you can buy that with money, people. Mother Teresa used to say that there are people so and so poor that the only thing they have is money. Don't you think that we're part of a generation that has placed a lot of trust in money and what money can buy? We trust a lot in money. Listen, just a quick thing. Pay attention to all those nights when you cannot fall asleep and ask the question why. And you will see that at least 50% of the time this is money related. Somehow. If you want to know the reality of your heart, see what you do with your money. And see how much you treasure your money. Actually, what Jesus is saying here is that we cannot claim to love God, be devoted to God, and serve God, and be greedy at the same time. It's simply impossible. And let me use the principle again. Jesus is saying Jesus has no problems with you having money. Jesus has issues when money has you. The the problem is not that you have a lot of money or little money. The problem is that you put a lot of uh, your your sense of living has to do with money. That's the problem. You know what I learned as a pastor, though? Uh, And I heard this from a different pastor before. But as a pastor, I have never, ever in my time as a minister heard anybody telling me that they struggle with greediness. Not once, people, in 15 years as a pastor, not once I've heard someone saying, you know what, I think I'm greedy. People confess all kinds of sins, but that one, never. I wonder why. Maybe, just maybe. Maybe, just maybe. Is because we are blind, we are blind to our own greediness. Is that a word? Yeah, because I wasn't sure. Maybe, just maybe, that's the reason why Jesus talked about money more than any other subject. Don't you find that crazy? Maybe, just maybe, Jesus has spent so much time talking about something that is so dangerous to us. Because at the end of the day, he does, want, he does want us to admit and recognize that we struggle with the love of money. Actually, Jesus elsewhere says that the problem is not money, is the love of money. And having money is not the problem, Is that we trust way too much what money can give us. Maybe, just maybe, most of us here struggle with that. Now, because this doesn't come easy to us... Um, How about if I give you an assessment, okay? And let's see if this is true. And I'm going to call this assessment the young rich ruler's test. And This is inspired by Matthew chapter 10, in which Jesus is having an interaction with this young fellow. It's amazing. That story is amazing. Because this is actually a really good guy, you know? He was a church guy. He came to Wheaton when we founded it. He memorized verses, he went to Awana, he had had all the stickers that Awana gives you. He got all that stuff, that's how he grew up. And Jesus starts by asking him, he asked Jesus, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Which was a good question. And Jesus starts with with the second part of the commandments. And he responds, he says, have you killed anybody? And he says, no, I haven't killed anybody. Have you committed adultery? Nope, never committed adultery. Have you ever given false testimony? Nope, never false testimony. Have you ever dishonored your parents? Nope, never dishonor my parents. And if he was here today, we would nominate him as our next pastor. But then Jesus says, "Go." Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. And this is where I get the assessment from. Five questions. Is there anything I have worked for or bought that I'm not willing to let go? Is there anything you work for that you're not willing to let go? Is there anything I have worked for or bought that I'm not willing to share? Is there anything, or can I give without expecting anything in exchange? That's the thing with poor people. They could never repay you. Is there anything I have worked for or bought that is keeping me from following Jesus? That's a very important question. Are you generous? So let me give you a definition of generosity that I think is extremely important. Generosity is not even about giving a lot. If you're a millionaire, you could give a lot a lot and never need anything. So generosity generosity is not about giving a lot. Generosity is about giving and sharing. Until you have to sacrifice something. Generosity is about giving until you have to adjust your lifestyle to what God wants of you. That's generosity. You know, when people talk about this and and preachers talk about this, I I always sense these things that people hate that the church talks about money. And that in itself is an indicative of something. But part of the reason why I think that many of us struggle with this topic is because we don't realize that God does not need your money. Actually, there's one thing that I've learned as a pastor is that the church doesn't need your money. God always provides somehow. But the reason why Jesus talks about money Is because you need freedom. You need to be free from greediness. You need to be free enough to be able to invest your life and your resources and everything you have in things that matter. We do not adjust God to the lifestyle we want. We adjust our lifestyle to what God wants. That's the difference. So, if you want to know what your treasure is, what your precious is, where your heart is, follow your money. Question How do we keep ourselves from the love of money? How do we learn to treasure heaven more than anything else? Third point one solution. John Piper says that the only way we're gonna get to do this is when you are mastered by one great thing. And he says that great thing is Jesus and what he accomplished for us. You know what's interesting? 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter calls Jesus precious. It is only when we find Jesus precious, it is only when we treasure Jesus above anything else is that we find freedom. But in order to do that, you really need to treasure Jesus. And I'm going to help you with it, all right? Because I'm a sinner just like you are. And I want to share with you an exercise that I do all the time. Well, not all the time, but at least once a month, I think about something like this. Because I am also tempted to put treasures and things that eventually will go go away and be destroyed. And this is what I do. I spend time thinking about the names of God and the names of Christ. You have no idea how many times the New Testament talks about the name of Christ. And I think that there's a reason for that. Because his names are a description of who he is. But also I believe that his names talk about what we're looking for and what we long for in something or someone. You ready? All right. This is going to go quick. Here we go. Jesus is the almighty one. Meaning that there's nothing as powerful as he is. He is my security and I only find, find security in him. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He is the only one that can give me something that is eternal and he knows it all. He is the advocate. He's the the one that is standing on the right hand of God interceding for me. He's the author and perfecter of my faith. He's the one that gives me faith and helps me grow in faith. He is the ultimate authority. Everything submits to him. Therefore, I am always safe in him. He is the bread of life. Only him truly satisfies my needs. He is the bread of life. He is the chief cornerstone. He is the foundation of my life. He is the deliverer. He saves me from the wrath of God. He is faithful and true. Anything he says I could trust, anything he says is always true. He is Emmanuel. He is God with me. He is the good shepherd. He knows what I need. He guides me. He fits me. He protects me. He is the king of kings. Everything in creation submits to him, and there's nothing above him. He is the beloved son of God. He is the bridegroom, the head of the church, the holy servant, the great I am. He is the judge, the lamb of God, the light of the world, the light of Judah, the Lord of lords, the Messiah. He is the mighty one. He is our hope, our peace, our prophet, priest, king, redeemer. He is the risen Lord. He is the son of man, the son of the most high. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the door, the way, the word, the true vine, the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. You see, there's nothing, nothing that could satisfy you the way he satisfies. The only way you treasure heaven is when you treasure him. And this is the thing, that he's also the mediator and the savior. He is the one that treasure you so and so much, that went to the cross to take the consequence of your sin so you could be saved. Do you know why we are generous people? Because we have a generous God. Do you know why we treasure God above everything else? Because you have a God that treasures you before anything else. Look at his son crucified for you. See, when you start seeing life in those terms, Money becomes less of an issue. Because you learn to treasure what God treasures. Do you have that? Do you believe in that? How about we pray? Can you please stand? Lord Jesus, we come before you. recognizing, Lord, that we are people that are always looking for treasures. It is part of what it means to be a fallen creature. But I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you elevate yourself so much in our minds, that the Holy Spirit elevates Jesus Christ in our minds so and so high, that we truly believe that all satisfaction could only be found in him. Lord, that it is foolish to look for things that would eventually be destroyed or can be taken away from us. But, there is, but that, that there is one thing that could never be taken away from us, and it's our Savior and the security we have in Him. Lord, we pray for all these people in Georgia and Florida that are going through terrible things, Lord. I pray, Lord, for your protection. I pray, Lord, for your provision. I pray, Lord, that in the midst of all of this, Lord, they find you sufficient and secure. Please protect your church and use your church to bring relief to all of those that are being affected by Hurricane Michael. And I pray, Lord, that you make of us people that are willing to live and invest And use our resources and everything we are for things that matter. We pray for all of this in the name of Jesus. And the church says,